This is Daizen X, the podcast, episode 260, for the week of May 29th, 2011. Hello there, welcome to Daizen X, the podcast, and extension of this week to all-encompassing Dragon Ball fan sites. We got Daizen X over here, and out in Omaha, we have... Kanzentai. We cover anything and everything Dragon Ball in hopes of enlightening and a little bit of entertaining. Hello, folks. My name is Mike. I go by Vegito EX. I founded that little website called Daizenshu EX, and here I am 13 years later talking about this show on the internet every week. Joining me across from me here in the studio at Casa de EX, Miss Mary. Hello. Hi, Mrs. Mary. Mrs. Mary. I like the sound of Miss Mary much better. But I do too. I'll take what I can get. Hi. Hi. Doing How are well? you? Fine. Yeah. Enjoyed breaking out the barbecue. A little so. dinner, a little beer, a little manga over That's there. That's perfect. That's like the perfect storm of conditions for recording a show. It is indeed. It is. Glad to have you here. Good to be here. It's nice and cold in the basement, I might add. It's I know. been our refuge the last two days. Good place to be. Even, you know, not doing anything show related. Just remembering that we have a basement, busting out some VHS tapes after all that fan sub talk last I know. week. I know. I located my original fan subs borrowed from friends for DVC Movie 13 and the Trunks TV special you like sure you talked did. about. It was trippy because the first scene that appeared on the tape when I popped it in was, hey, you fucking bastard, you fucking killed, <laughs> what was it? I don't Blew remember. Blew my house, fuck you. you know? I'm pretty sure he says fuck three times in yeah, the span of Yeah, it was three times. Ten seconds. Just like that. It was crazy. Well, before we say hi to Heath, you have new headphones. How are they? It's trippy having something so high quality. All different. my ears. I know. I think we got you finally all decked out completely. I think so. You got the boom stand, the new mic, you got the headphones. Got everything except a fancy comfy chair. All right, we'll work on that. That's next on the hip parade. I have a fancy comfy chair. <laughs> Joining oh. us from a fancy comfy chair in Nebraska, Heath Hugio from Constantine. Welcome to our show here, sir. Thank you for having me. And I, I have one thing to throw in. Yes. I don't even have a VHS player hooked up to our TV. And I can't, I tried to think the other day, when was the last time I actually watched a VHS? And I know, I can't tough. remember. We have a VCR hooked up to a TV down in our basement. The only reason why it's hooked up at all is this particular TV does not have composite inputs. So yeah, I run anything that needs to go in composite goes to the VCR, which goes coax over to the old TV. And that is actually how the original PS2, because we're crazy and have three PS2s in this house. That's how that one's hooked up for DDR down here in the basement. Because that's where we have room for DDR. Yes. Nice flat surface. And it's cool. And it's very cool down here. And as a side effect, Mary gets to watch old VHS of Gem and Dub Sailor Moon and Ranma. And what else have you been popping in lately? Um, Just... Random um, tapes that were not labeled very well. So a lot of stuff from the we'll late 90s. Up. I had a few minutes of like a TRL episode that I taped oh, off of geez. MTV. Oh my God. <laughs> Bunch of rap music videos. Hello, 1990s. Yeah. <laughs> hey kids, there was this thing called TRL. The 90s are long gone. We talked about them last episode. Actually, we need to talk about last episode very briefly. There was great feedback on last episode. Mary, you and I trudged through it alone. We talked about fan subs. I'm really, really glad people enjoyed it. What was great was the amount of younger folks 
saying that they genuinely learned something alongside all the old folks that love the trip down memory lane. So I, I think we hit both those groups as we wanted to. And the fact that we got the response we wanted to makes me feel all warm and fuzzy inside. So I did just want to run down a couple uh, choice quotes from folks. I know the response thread on the forum got some nice feedback. The Facebook page, Twitter, everywhere did. First one here, Aaron over on Facebook said, wow, just listen to the newest episode. I had no idea how much crap the fans had to go through back then lol it's true just take what you could get that was kind of like the motto of the episode nowadays we do lol at ourselves we do quite often and then a puppet doctor says i've always been curious since i learned about the old fans of tape days and just hearing you guys talk about it satisfied my curiosity really great podcast i hope others enjoyed it as much as i did oh so nice then we got a comment from the black paladin who said what i also found very interesting was the attitude towards fan subbing in general. It is now demonized and probably rightfully so as a practice that has contributed to the ruin of the anime industry. Back then, it seemed to have a certain charm to it. It's true. And I guess that's a whole subject upon itself. It is. And I think we've talked about that a little bit over the course of Kai because as we were talking about, that's the only closest thing we've had to Dragon Ball in the digital age. And even then it's, I don't know, I, I count it as a one half instead of a one full show because it's an older version of a show. Anyway, I'll wrap it up. Our buddy Ramza, I'm so glad he popped in. We were talking about him and Dragon Ball Blast and some distro stuff last episode. He said the Garlic Jr. Saga also became first available through the Pearl version. As I think back, I'm pretty sure mine were the Pearl versions. I take credit in introducing this to the internet at large after an extremely long and slow goose chase where I managed to track down a PAL version from someone overseas. Wow, that's tough. That's dedication. Yeah, I, Detective work. I do remember that was some of the last fan sub stuff that I saw and it definitely was the Pearl version. So that was just some nice feedback on last episode. There's a lot of great stuff in the forum response thread. Tanuki went through, I guess someone else has uh, an entire YouTube channel dedicated to Anime Labs oh, wow. shout outs and insults and that stuff. That is great. So he took a bunch of screen caps of that and he put up a picture of his room from when he was in high school. So many good pictures up there. So definitely Speaking check that of, out. Uh, the Anime Lab stuff, one yeah. of the things that I was fast-forwarding through today, I saw a shout-out. Oh, did you? It was um whatever group it was providing uh, your your $10 joint for Dragon Ball. And if you bought this from, it was like a Robert so-and-so. Oh, and yeah, 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 You got ripped off. Mm-hmm. Or, like, you fucking asshole. <laughs> so many good things back then. Yeah. All right, let's talk about what's on deck for this episode. And it's uh, all you, Mary. Mike says to me, you know, after that very in-depth episode we had last week, he wants to kind of, you know, chill it out a little bit, talk about something fun in-universe. Let's do a, a character discussion. So we're thinking about, okay, well, we don't want to do a joke one like a pool or Frieza Soldier B or um, we don't uh, want to- Excuse me, Frieza Soldier A. Sorry, A. Who the hell cares about B? I care about B. It's like the pool, yeah. <laughs> um, and we didn't want to do anyone too crazy in depth, like Piccolo, that would require a lot of research. So the first thing that popped into my head is Bulma, because she's there from the beginning. Yep, yep. Um, and she always is kind of around, well, maybe not always around, but around enough that we can talk oh, about she her. she around. She, she does. does get around. That's something we'll talk about. Ooh, so that's yeah. uh, what we have on deck for just a couple minutes from now in our topic portion. Before we hit the news, we do have one little congrats to toss out there. Heath Constantine, sixth anniversary. I know. I oh. can't believe it. Oh. Still a sapling. They grow up oh. so fast. They do. Maturity hasn't really kicked in, but that's okay. 
Well, because it's been six years, you started in 2005, and I think we've talked about this yes. in uh, in the past a little bit as you've become more and more a part of the show and our community. Why did you start Constantine? Gosh, I even remember when I first started, I made this whole mission statement, yep, which yep. really doesn't apply anymore. <laughs> I was just, one day I was trying to find something, I couldn't find it anywhere, and mm-hmm. I said, screw this. I can do way better than... Because every single site I went to was exactly the same thing. Copy and pasted from old sites. Probably copied from from Namek. Planet Namek. (laughs) And so... Wrong. I said, well, half of this crap isn't even, you know, all that great. And I can do better. And I know I could. So I'm going to do it. I was crazy. I was in college. And I was like, hey, I I have a computer. Any any stupid idiot can do this, right? (laughs) Look what you got yourself (laughs) into. Boy, was I wrong. (laughs) That's what got me into making sites, too, is anyone can do this, right? Yeah. Yeah. I think we all had that. And Heath, you and I talk about this a lot. A lot of the the guides we have on our sites, it's because we needed that information. And we use our sites probably more than any of our visitors do. Well, I know uh, I I had been making web pages since I was in junior high. So I knew how to do a lot of that stuff, but I had never actually run my own website and had a domain or anything like that. So mm-hmm. that was all new to me. And uh, a lot of the back end stuff, that took a while to learn. Yeah, yeah. It's a lot harder than what you think it is if you're just starting from scratch. And you're so lucky. You got started at a time when uh, CSS was relevant. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> it's been tough keeping X modern, and it's not in any way. But I you know we all got plans for the future. So hopefully, I, I won't work. give away anything, you know, out there, but. It really helps when you go into the game when everyone else is coming out of the game. Yes. <laughs> and then Dragon Boxes hit and you're the only ones that own them. Yep. So, yep. That's pretty that awesome. Helps. I see how you do it. That was the plan all along. You're a bastard. Congrats on the uh, sixth anniversary. And uh, good to have you along with us. Thank you. It's been a great ride so far. All right, folks. Let's uh, let's put down the drinks. The congrats drinks. Although, Heath, you're the only one drinking right now. Apparently. I have an imaginary drink. (laughs) All right, let's talk about the news. Oh, I spilled it all over myself. (laughs) So we're going to dive right into the news. And the first thing up is really non-news. There was a somewhat, quote-unquote, rumor, false information thing flying around out there that people may have seen. Uh, Ooishi Naho is not doing a Dragon Ball Heroes manga. And there's stuffage that goes along with it. Do you have stuffage, Mike? I don't because <laughs> you mostly... It's not news, obviously. Yeah, yeah, it's so in your notes. It's not news. I mean, a lot of sites fell victim to this. I know our buddies over at Dragon News, Dragon Ball Benelux, um, they posted this, but it, it's just someone writes something and it gets picked up and it goes from there. No one facts check. Yeah. Fact- Checks. Yes. I just thought it was kind of funny that the guy that said, oh, yeah, oh, Ishii's going to do this. He posted pictures up. Yeah. And so you just look at the guy's own pictures. And that's what threw me right away was I was like, oh, that sounds cool. So I went and looked at the pictures. I'm like, his name's not even on here anywhere. Where's his name? Her name. Come on now. Or her name. Thank you. (laughs) And so I started looking more and more, couldn't find it. So then I'm like, well, screw this. I got to start translating crap and... (laughs) doing fact checking and good thing i had a long lunch that day (laughs) that's always how it is for me too lunch break stuff so i think what you decided was whoever grabbed this tossed it into google translate in a word that looked like it may have been a bastardization of her name was in there but it wasn't a name and who is she 
She's yeah. the one who did the jump super animator oh, right. adaptation and has been doing that's, SD. Okay, that's what I thought. Yeah. Yeah. And it's really easy to pick out her name because she always writes it in katakana. Yeah, yeah. So if you don't see anything that's long and looks like a name, then it's not there. Yeah, and it's so. it's syllable for syllable in, in kana, so yeah. it's easy to pick out. If you know katakana. Yeah, I suppose. So I mean. anyway, um, so apparently my translation wasn't exactly correct, and I say that because it wasn't up to Jake's standards. <laughs> so he did kind of chime in and is like, well, this is how I would translate it. So it does... It could go either way. Maybe there is a manga. Maybe there isn't. Um, we have seen promotional manga printed in V-Jump 4 for like uh, Ginyu Tokusentai. Right, right. But as far as we know, she has no affiliation with this mythical manga that may or may not be happening. Yeah, it's the standard Japanese promotional text that doesn't say anything. And then you can't even say what's news because you can't tell what they're saying. Right. So at the very least, Oishinaho has nothing to do with what may or may not be coming. So that's the exactly. non-news there. Okay, so in delay news, Dragon Ball Z Kai Volume 5 has been delayed for a second time by Funimation. Robert's Anime Corner, the online store, was the first one to list that Funimation's fifth Kai set, which is episodes 53 through 65, was delayed yet again. This delay is actually alongside a bunch of other Funimation releases, so it's likely just an internal thing, not exclusively, you know, Dragon Ball related. And now it's coming out later in June. That's June 28th. Yeah, I think this one was like two or three weeks, so it wasn't anything big and probably not related to the music because... It was with a bunch of other stuff. Heath, I guess uh, we'll go back over to you. Kikuchi gets an award. Hooray! Yay! Huzzah. Shunsuke Kikuchi, composer of the background music for all of Dragon Ball and Dragon Ball Z, as well as all their affiliated movies, won second place in the International Award from the Japanese Society for Rights of Authors, Composers, and Publishers, or JASRAC, J-A-S-R-A-C, for the money generated overseas in the previous year for the Dragon Ball Z score. So it's more, I guess, about the money and not about the quality of the music. While that may be true, we'll talk about the quality. Okay. (laughs) Yeah, it's definitely about the money. And I have to imagine between, like I noted in the update on the site, as we've learned, though, Kikuchi score is in the Raging Blast games in Japan. It's being used in Zenkai Battle Royale. So that stuff's still all within Japan. But then when you look at the various releases across the world for the DBZ TV series, so many places getting DVD box sets and airings on TV again. It's definitely all contributing. So major, major. The series has been released multiple times in multiple countries. Yeah, yeah. It's always out there. So definitely generating some revenue. And then uh, Kikuchi also got ninth place for his Doraemon score. So that was good to see. Hooray. First place, we're talking about Kikuchi here. Second place. First place went to Kenichi Kamio for the theme song to Barba Papa, ah, which I, Barba Papa. I looked up and doesn't seem to be Japanese in origin. It's mm. French or something. I don't know what it is, so I'm not sure why the Japanese composers, maybe the composer was Japanese. Maybe. Have to that's look kind of what it looks like. Into that. I, I mean, the name is Japanese, so that's got to be it. But that's pretty interesting that whatever this is, has generated more 
than Dragon Ball. That and tells we've never you something even heard of it. it. I know, I know, but we're America and we hate foreign things. Oh yeah, so. clearly. Mentioned Zenkai Battle Royale just a second ago. Uh, this is the last bit of news we have for you. It is uh, officially out in Japan in arcades there. It's been in testing since about last November, but on May 25th, it officially launched in 392 locations across 46 regions. And I think there's 47 regions in Japan, so someone's very unlucky. Someone out in the boot Docks. Yeah, <laughs> like Julian. No. no, he's probably got it in his area. I had to, or I should go back and double check. He definitely got to get Julian out there to check up on the game. Anyway, with the official launch, there was a, a nice big marketing push for some extra outfits. Goku's Yard Rat outfit could be gotten with uh, their Bana Passport card. And uh, I kind of realized later on that Bana is for Bandai Namco. Da, oh, da, da. silly. Oh. Yes. It's uh, a little card that lets you store your progress and your stats and all that stuff. So if you use their specific card, you could get that special outfit. And then also via Twitter with one of their hashtags, I think it was like WGetZenkai or something, you could get yeah. Vegeta's Scouter. The launch was not without its issues, though, especially with this uh, Bana Passport card. I guess a lot of users were reporting that the machine was kicking back an error saying their card was already in use by another machine. So uh, they had a big message message up on the homepage for Zenkai Battle Royale acknowledging this and saying they were looking into it. And if you remember, this is a networked game and it's using some special net code that was developed. Uh, I think it's even open source for the community. It's a pretty uh, big time interesting thing they're doing here. So if there are network issues that would be affecting people. So hopefully it's uh, you know, just some minor roadblocks at the uh, start here, the official launch. No, a lot more videos are coming out of the game recently, and that's a pretty good thing. Other than it's out there, it's really all we know. I think it's got about 10 characters at launch, and maybe it'll get some updates in the future, and that's about it. That's your news for the week, folks. So what we'll do now is turn it over to our topic. Alright, so let's talk about Bulma, the first major female character to appear in Dragon Ball, and also very significantly, the second character to appear in the series at all! Yeah, she is. She's number two. I know. So, she's pretty prominent early on, and we'd like to touch upon that a little bit and talk about her progression as this airheaded, but genius, flighty, boy crazy, <laughs> insane yeah. character to caring, question mark, mother. <laughs> no, it's true. You just used Chain every smoker. word I had in my personal notes. Oh, really? Damn it, Mary. <laughs> well, I didn't even read them. <laughs> but they're not even up on the screen. That's you so funny. Have known. Well, that's why we're married. It's true. It's true. What I want to do, actually, before we get into the character, is because this is a fun little discussion, something I've been struggling with myself a little bit as of late. And that's her name. Why? How can you possibly struggle with this? We'll, we'll, we'll talk about that. Okay. Because okay. her name, written out in Kana, is Bulu. Ma, which Bloomer. is a play on bloomers. Exactly. And there's a joke right at the start when she introduces herself. Because she doesn't want to introduce herself. Right, because Goku loves her name. He gets it. It's... Underwear that she's being named after, and that continues on with her dad, Dr. Brief, and we get bra and all that fun junk later on in the series. And Bulma's mom. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's best pun of all. Great pun. Bulma's <laughs> Underwear <mom>. mother. <laughs> 
See, the thing here is, that's her name in Japanese. However, on her shirt, written in our alphabet, is B-U-L-M-A. I always loved that. Which is fine. Because Because it tells us a romanization right from the start. It does, and I always like that. The problem is, we want to pronounce that as Bulma. But that's not how her name is actually pronounced. And that's led me into a conundrum here because I I still want to pronounce it as Bulma. And it's just so ingrained in all of our minds is being pronounced that It says that it way. on her shirt. That's what it says, but that's not a pronunciation Bulma. guide. Yeah, it would be something like Bluma. Yeah. So... So you're saying their own romanization is wrong, which I wouldn't put it past them because every time they try to do it on like, you know, crediting hats and, and right, Goku right. things. There's they- alternate romanizations and do you use what as a pronunciation guide? So I would like to, and I, I've thought about it and I'm not sure how to go about doing it other than maybe just start saying Bluma instead of Bulma. <laughs> Fuck that shit. What, really? Wow. Why? Because what are we going to start calling... Tolrankusu and Selru? No. No. Enough said. Because I wouldn't be saying Baluma. I would be saying Bluma. I would be skipping over some, some, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Like half a syllable in there. Because her name isn't Bull. Like, what is Bull? Yeah. Just go with what the creators give you. You're reading into it too much. Heath, let me get your your thoughts on that. Oh, you want me to get in the middle of this? Yes, I do. This lover's quarrel? We need a moderator. (laughs) Um,. I totally understand where you're coming from because this is one thing that, you know, you and I usually strive for. I mean, we've been known to change things over the years because a lot of it is just really old bad habits that we've had since the mid 90s. Yeah. yeah. They've just stuck. And that's been with a lot of fandom. And you can see it just alone with the pronunciation of Cyan. But that's a whole different story. Something we actually mentioned last episode with the fan subs was the spelling of Taurus. I mean, that was there for years. And I don't want to give Julian credit for coming up with an alternate romanization, but you know what? That carried over into Steve's subtitles on the Funimation release. And there are changes that can be made. And sometimes I think maybe we should just, just because something's existed doesn't mean it's the best. And we're talking a pronunciation here, not necessarily a spelling. But you're not, really pronouncing how it's written right in english so right that's, that's the problem because i know rachel actually spells it bloomer she does i'm, I'm not sure does she do it b-l-u-m-a does she sh- she switch some of the letters no, she does b-l-o-o-m-e-r okay. i believe maybe yeah i i know that there has been at least one conversation about it on our forum and it, just all these the exact same things that we're talking about here have been brought up and i'm not really sure what i want to do because bulma is not her name i mean the that's a reading of some of the letters in her name, but that's not her name. I don't know. Eh, wrong. Yeah, Mary's t- <laughs> This takes, like, elitist bullshit to a whole new level. It it does, This but- is, like, just trying to be different for the sake of being different and holier than thou than, like, the general community at large, and I want no part of it. I think we should leave it just at the standpoint of, just so you know, this is how it probably yeah, should be pronounced. that's reasonable. And even though it's written this way, you can pronounce it whatever way you want. I'm good with that. Yeah. We're not right, even so- talking about the character yet. 
All right, well, talk about the character. Well, Go. she's a slut, okay? <laughs> she shows up, and she's like, hey, who's this little kid? I can't bone him. You want to see my butt? <laughs> I want to see my butt. <laughs> no, she's apparently searching for these things called Dragon Balls, and she's playing hooky from school to collect these things. Now, I, I think she's on vacation. I don't know that she's playing hooky. Oh, my bad. I'm, I'm, I'm going with stuff. she's playing hooky. I think that fits <laughs> her character. She says something about she's got a month to take care of it, but I'm pretty sure later in the Red Ribbon arc, she is playing. Okay, from that's school. what I confused it with. We were talking about that earlier. You were asking, does she go to school? Like, what is she doing? Because she's only 16. Mm -hmm. So she's got to be somewhere learning things. Driving daddy's cars. So she shows up. She's searching for stuff. She notices this kid who she can't kill. And almost immediately it's, I can use you for my own purposes. Yeah. Like, you're a strong guy, even though you're as tall as my knee. Yeah, yeah. But you have a bow staff. She also muscles. thinks he's like six years old or yeah. something. She yeah. can't tell. She thinks he's really young because she bathes him and everything. And, and he doesn't even know how old he nah, is. No, he's got no clue. <laughs> That's the best. Little punk kid can't count. So she's very much the leader at this point. She is, yeah. In a way, she's the leader of our ragtag group of, I don't know, misfits. more and more characters. Eventual well, group of misfits once Oolong joins in. And then even Yamcha and Puar come in as well, kind of into the team with dancing and running around and all sorts of shenanigans. Mary, I want to... <laughs> we're labeling her as a slut. No, I don't... <laughs> I don't truly believe that. How dare you say that about her? Oh, no, no, no. I think she's very crafty in the way she uses her body to get what she wants, except it backfires on her, which is hilarious. Several times. Several yeah. times it backfires on her. Right. We've got Yamcha, who's too scared to do anything about it. We've got her uh, showing off her bra size to Oolong, who ends up being a monster. Later on in the series, we've got Blue, who's gay and has no interest in her so it seems like every time she and we talked about goku earlier he has no cares about her dirty butt so every time she tries to show off her body she gets shut down in a way and then the one time where she does succeed it's also at her own detriment when she inadvertently flashes oh, the full yeah. goods to roshi in order to get the dragon ball so they get the dragon ball but at the loss of her dignity perhaps yeah anyway that's not that's not what she's all about to me anyway. No. It's her I brains and her craftiness and her utter bitchiness. The thing I did want to toss in there is that as soon as she sees Goku's tail, she says to herself, well, I've never actually seen a naked guy, so I don't really know if they don't have tails. <laughs> I know they have something in the front, so while she's more than happy to show off her own goods, at least to an extent, it's not like she is running around. She's not well-traveled. Everything. No, no, not at all. So we kind of get her leading the gang up through all the peel-off stuff, and we get a, a quasi-happy ending with her and Yamcha overcoming. Well, she doesn't really overcome anything. She kind of loses her chance to wish for a boyfriend sees a cute guy and by that point <gasps> but she gains a boyfriend you were here all yeah. along he overcomes it and everything is good there his fear of women. So that works out for her. And we don't see her for a little bit. We transfer into training and up to the 21st Tenkaichi Budokai. And then we get what is her role for another two tournaments after that. That's just a spectator because we're swapping out her for lunch for a little bit. For here. a little bit. But lunch lacks Bulma's intelligence and bringing in the technology element. Well, she's got her own shtick. She's got the Oh, yeah, she has a shtick, but she's not bringing cool tools for any situation no, that might no. be needed. She's just kind of there. She's Does comedy she relief. Is that what purpose she serves? Well, yeah. 
comedy relief. Okay. Heath, what do you think about the, the swap for lunch here? Eh, I, I always saw it more as just a transition in the story where you can really tell he's switching over from being a true gag manga to, mm, yeah. I'm going to actually transition this into something that's going to be really popular. So, And then you run into the thing where lunch disappears too. Well, so she kind of falls victim to the same thing. Definitely. Except she never really comes back like Bulma does. You talk about the transition there. I think that's a good point because while we get lunch who is basically a gag character herself with the sneezing and the guns and all that she's introduced at a point when it's turning away from all gags not that it totally goes away especially with bacterian ronfon in the 21st budokai but well see and i think that's that's part of it is kind of what toriyama did was the whole thing was a gag at the beginning just you know the story itself and he sort of transitioned it into i need to bring in a gag characters but make the story a little more serious mm. and then just use the characters to instill a little bit of gag here and there but not full-blown like i did with dr slump right so and the story's on. not the gag it's the characters who act as the gag right while the story's playing it kind of straight interesting kind of, yeah nice nice well so then miss blue hair notice how i'm dancing around her name entirely i'm just gonna call her miss blue hair from here or is on it on. green hair oh fair point Blonde or, is hair? It, or is it purple hair <laughs> Who the hell knows what color hair she has? She uh, she disappears, but we do have her brought back a little bit, especially when we get into the Red Ribbon arc. Although the Red Ribbon stuff starts without her. It is just Goku for a while. We've got his adventures with Snow and Muscle Tower, and then we're brought back to the city with her. And uh, something Mary and I were talking about is that she yells at her parents a lot when she's reintroduced. It's quite verbally abusive. She is. Which means to me that she is easily uh, accustomed to walking all over her parents and they don't really care her mom could care less. i get the <laughs> sense that just like <laughs> they didn't really discipline bulma much as a child i guess heath i don't know if you no. remember was it this part where her parents talk about oh maybe we'll just go off and cheat on each other and have a fling and she's like don't I say that in front of me so it's <laughs> She's got quite an interesting relationship with her parents, but I think it does go deeper than that. We just don't see it because Toriyama can't write anything like that. Maybe this is the best he can write for family interactions. Maybe. I hope it's not based on his family. No. <laughs> that would be kind of sucky. What other families do we have in the series now that I think about it? They're all dysfunctional. <laughs> just Videl and... Goku and Chi-Chi. Goku's dead half the time and she well, and yeah, Vegeta later Videl on. and Gohan. I suppose. Probably have the best relationship out of everybody. Yeah, but. yeah. That's one that we actually see get started because Goku and Chi-Chi is spontaneous nothingness. Volma and Vegeta are off screen in the middle of a time skip. Gohan and Videl, we see the... I don't know, her infatuation, but then whatever the relationship becomes is in time skips as well. So Toriyama just conveniently dances around, ever really showing any in-depth relationships. And I think you have to remember, it is a shonen manga, yeah. so most of the kids probably don't yeah, really care. they don't want to see that. No, that's we'll not, talk about that's it. That's not but what's going to sell the books. It's not. <laughs> this is the time when it's, it is starting to shift a little bit to some female popularity, but it's definitely not at the point where One Piece and Naruto are now. And it's not even that they're showing the, at least, I mean, not that I've seen, but I haven't read anything in years. They're more, uh, let's introduce some strong-willed female characters more often rather than let's show the budding relationships. So now that she's brought back for Red Ribbon, she's kind of in the thick of it again for a little bit. She goes off to the pirate cave and she's there. We were talking about Blue earlier, but she's not really doing 
a whole lot, is she? She's hitting on Blue. I guess. Is that what... <laughs> Which, that part is hilarious. Yeah. It really is. I mean, it's great stuff. Don't get me wrong. She's just... Just not really accomplishing a whole lot. No, no. I think she no, stuffs a all. Dragon Ball down her crotch at some point. Maybe it was a gem. I don't remember what it was. It was like it's a diamond gem. or something. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. she's trying to steal the pirate treasure. That's it. That's what it was. So what is she doing at this point? It's like she's a major character that's been around and it feels right that she is there contributing some technology. But at least I think she's just filling the comedy relief role again. Mm, okay, so we got the fighters, so we need someone to be doing the screaming and all the gag stuff, like we were talking about. Well, the story's playing it pretty... <laughs> I say the story's playing it pretty straight while we have Blue going around, so maybe that's a poor choice of words. But it's fun times with her, but I feel like this is the last she's relevant for Aww. quite a few story arcs, because we transition into the 22nd Budokai, into uh, Piccolo Daimao, into 23rd Budokai. She's She's just watching from the sidelines, isn't she? She's not doing anything. Well, I mean, you also have to think about it from the standpoint that everything at that point really does transition to all the storylines just being connected. Yeah, yeah, they really everything are. Just kind of ties together, and a lot of it is very action oriented. So I, I don't even know how he'd really fit her in there. But then at the same point, he does a good job of it when they get to Namek. So right, yeah, it's kind of it, it's kind of a weird thing because even during the Piccolo Daimao era she's around but not really but then there are a lot of characters that aren't really around because it's so focused on just a select few that's true it's not just her it is at the expense of a lot of other characters Yamcha is sort of around. I mean, he gets his ass kicked at the 22nd Budokai. And he, this is kind of the point where Yamcha is starting to be an exposition character hanging out at Kame House. And I feel like she's serving that role a little bit, too. I like your point about the, the story arcs going from one into another, because once you do hit 22nd Budokai, it is just I mean, that ends and we're into the next story arc, which leads directly into the next story arc. And then we get a time skip into the Cyan arc, which then gives us an opportunity to reintroduce all of the characters and give them all a little bit of a shot there and they all of course die one by one but then we get right. to taken off to Namek and uh, there she is she's part of a trio again but I feel like it's uh, it's necessary because they need someone who knows some technology to get them there and who else mm -hmm. are you going to pick the pilot well let's back up even a little all bit right. yeah we kind of skipped over a bunch of stuff because she is a spectator at uh, 23rd Budokai right but then when everyone's reintroduced, she, you know, she shows up on Roshi's Island and yeah, yeah. at Kame House. And that's when we find out that she's no longer together. Oh, uh, right. True, yeah. True. On again, off again relationship, it sounds like. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. we even got that earlier. I think it was um, after the 21st Budokai or right before. I can't remember when it, where it was, but she said something about all of a sudden he's popular with all the ladies and she couldn't deal with yeah. that. So it's like she wants a guy that she can completely control. And maybe just that one little sentence that she lets slip says a lot about her character at this point. And I've always liked how they brought all those characters back to Kame House. I always thought that was really neat but that may just be me you know what i liked about um, maybe it's just due to the nature of when i got into the show but that scene where they all get back together even though i've never seen krillin before you know i only saw 13 episodes of dragon ball at that point but i honestly felt like that scene felt like a true reunion yeah, yeah and i was like emotionally invested in it even though i'm like I don't know what they've been up to, but I don't care. It, yeah. it feels like a reunion and it feels like I hadn't seen each other for a few years. Is is a good way to put it how it, you know, it does feel so natural 
mm-hmm. when you think of most of the people at you know especially in North America had never seen Dragon Ball before and you are being introduced to these characters all at once and you've never met any of them right so i think in a way that's kind of helped Dragon Ball Z yeah but it really did have a, a nice setup scene there and i think it works that there was such a time skip between the end of the 23rd Budokai and this to give us that opportunity there right so i guess we'll jump back from your jumping back ahead <laughs> to them taking off into space and i'll i'll reput that question out there is it just because she's the only one who can like you said mary be a pilot or maybe it's that toriyama want to throw together a mix of characters that wouldn't necessarily mesh yeah naturally well together when would they all be together yeah it's an odd mix of people to be sure and i think maybe after drawing burly men for so long maybe he wanted to change a pace i don't know yeah we got a couple stubby dudes and then a chick who's well and then you also have goku who's immobilized right right and everybody else is dead. So really, it's who's left. I, I guess it's it's less about what would be neat to do and more about who's still alive yeah. that we can throw into space. I think it's a mix of both. Yeah. Because I think if he really wanted to, he could have come up with a way to get somebody else to go in her place. Mr. Popo. But <laughs> Exactly. But he can't go because he has to attend to the lookout. I suppose. I suppose. But I think Bulma's just a really good fit because she's been around Krillin a lot. Mm-hmm. She just met Gohan, so that's kind of weird. Yeah. But then at the same time, she knows what they're looking for. She knows how to fly. Uh, she's really good with technology. But she scares really easily. Yeah, So yeah. it's very humorous at times. And that is her role on the alien planet, is being scared and yelling at well, them at the same time. I wonder how much time. of that is filler, the being scared stuff. There is quite a bit of it, especially... <laughs> As we talk about crabs. and the crabs, crab. right? We have all that. Although that's less about being scared and more taking the offensive. So yeah. that that's a little different. But there is a lot of her just waiting around once they get there and being useless and kind of watching a Dragon Ball because then it transitions back into the the Burly Burly men. men and the aliens and everyone chasing each other around for a while. So she almost served her purpose, and then he's like, "Well, I don't know how to write women." <laughs> What do I do? I guess she'll just sit here for a while and... What do I need her for? Now I need her to make a baby. Yeah, yeah. I need to deceive Vegeta and say that short man is very hot. I know we've talked about this on the show before. We had an episode all about uh, the role of women in the series and they ultimately become mothers. Every last one of them. All of them. It's... I want to say it's a shame, but we get some good characters out of it, so it's not really a shame. But that does seem to be uh, second only to Chi-Chi, whose character completely changed when she was reintroduced. And she was reintroduced, we didn't know it, but to bring a a young male character into the mix. And that's what happens with her and Vegeta here off camera. And we're kind of introduced to the result of her becoming a mom long before we know that that's what she's going to do, which is pretty interesting. We get trunks before we know whose child he is. Mary, I guess I'll let you go here. Just a couple chapters later. Yeah, yeah. Um, I actually think this, and might just because this is my favorite part of the series. Yeah, yeah. I feel like this is when Bulma becomes really interesting. I I do agree. Because she's a mom and she's constantly carrying trunks around, but then she's being flown around by people like Gohan and Yajirobe, and then she's off making devices like the Switch control and getting the 
blueprints and all that neat stuff. You know what scene I really liked is when the Jinsen are supposed to show up. She does come there with the baby. She's like, I wanted to see them. She's like, I never got to see Frieza. I want to see these guys. Damn it, I am staying. But then she runs away. She does. Well, she's told that she needs to leave because things are happening. Things are exploding. But I think we really see she's got that spine there that she's always had. And maybe she let her fright get the best of her sometimes but she's definitely got a backbone here and i like it she's talking back to people labor will do that to you (laughs) i suppose so i wouldn't know neither would i (laughs) i think one thing to actually point out that i don't know whose character maybe it it points toward more but we do actually know that vegeta and bulma never got married that's true so she's a modern woman (laughs) yeah she is it's very progressive <laughs> she doesn't need Vegeta's non-last name. I don't need no. She doesn't have name. one. Yeah, that's true. Well, she doesn't have one either. It's probably in her best interest to not get married, being yeah. seeing as how she's the heiress to the Capsule Corporation. I suppose not be tied to some alien. She doesn't like need Vegeta that kind of controversy. Care. Good stuff. All right, so yeah, they don't get married, and then from there, oh gosh, you know, she's just kind of like you said, flown around for a while, and she's not really there, and then she does kind of show up again when I believe we just get shots of her during uh, the Boo arc where she's up on the lookout with everybody else. Yeah, yeah, the plane And she actually, uh, she sheds some tears when she finds out Vegeta dies. Yeah, yeah. So it's kind of a, a touching moment of, oh, she really does care. And then I think the next time we see her around him, she's yelling at him. Right. So. <laughs> Which is very typical for her. So it, it feels right even though we've gotten that tender side of her. You know what I always loved about this relationship? What's that? That you were saying earlier that she only wanted Yamcha because she could control him. Mm -hmm. Well, there's no controlling Vegeta at all, so why does she want him? It's It's a challenge. Oh, okay. I think that's what it is. I gotcha. Everyone needs a challenge. Yes. Tame the wild beast. I think she does kind of control him. I think back to that scene with he's taking the shower and she's like, that's the anime, though. Yeah, I know. I know, but I feel like it adds a bit to it's it. It's true. He's a little whipped there, which yeah, is yeah. awesome. I think it starts there. And yeah. There is a little bit of whipped Vegeta all the way to the end I of the I think that's why it was such great fodder for fanfics. I suppose. I mean, that is a great topic to write about. It is. there's so much unseen. <laughs> there's nothing there. Because so Toriyama doesn't know how to write it, so let the fans write it. I do want to talk about her at the very end of the series, and we've talked about this uh, before, too, movie 13. She's really come into her own as, I don't want to say older, but she is older. Mature. She's a mature mom, and that cigarette is both sexy and appalling at the same time. Yeah, because I know you hate cigarettes. I do, that's I do. That's not how Bulma makes it look cool. I, I think know, it's because of that dress that she wears. It's the dress and she's in like her night robe and the short haircut oh there's just something about her in movie 13 i don't know what it is but i think it's that very the way she talks to happy yeah yeah that heart to heart conversation she's never talked that way to anyone and we get it at the in the final movie It makes her seem very motherly-like. Yeah, yeah. Which is very out of character for her. But she is a mother. It is, but you never see her like, oh, you can tell when Trunks is a baby that she she loves him, you know, all around, all the time, and I'm going to change his diapers and whatnot. But after that, I mean, Trunks just basically runs wild and Bulma's (laughs) like, whatever. She gives up the same time that Chi-Chi gives up, so it's kind of interesting. Well, wouldn't you? Yeah, absolutely. When, you're, when your child transforms and like 
bitch slaps you <laughs> while you're mock training. Right, right. What else do we say about her? I mean, we get into GT, but I feel like GT Bulma is just an extension of what we've already had. And although you get to the very end, and I guess there's some baby stuff in there, but um, maybe episode 59 when Vegeta goes Super Saiyan 4, she's really working her ass off to help him do that transformation. She's got a smile on her face. Like she's really just raring to go to help her man. Like maybe not so much part of Team Goku anymore. Yeah. Well, I guess we should go back and mention Bra. Oh, yeah, I suppose. They have another child. Yeah, you know, <laughs> that might be important. I don't so, know. She's there. I mean, so at some point, she gets back together with Vegeta, because that's a great idea. <laughs> and they pop out another little one in between. Isn't the time... Is there a time skip? I'm trying to remember. Yeah, there's another yeah. 10 years before the end of the Because when Go, Goten shows up, yep, yep. then there's Trunks, and a little while later, then, hey, look, it's Bra. Right, right. <laughs> she looks like, what? Five-ish? She's a little runt, yeah. Well, how much time was there between the end of Z and GT? That's another 10 years. Or was that seven years? No, it's... I think the Funimation dub at some point may have... Not even in the series, but maybe promotional material said five years. But Heath, the perfect file say it's 10 years, right? Right. Okay, okay. so Bra in GT is what, 14? Somewhere around 14, 15-ish. Let me look. Okay, so at the end of Z, Bra She is, is nine or 11. Really? What? Oh, yeah, I guess so. She looks 14. She's looking really slutty, but you say that about (laughs) all the characters at that point who look older than what we may expect them to look like, so. I'm looking at a list of all the ages that Jake wrote up. That can't be right, then, if it's 10 years after Z, so she's negative. Here's at the 28th Budokai, she is four. Yeah, that's what I thought. So she would be 14 at the end of... I always thought GT took place seven years later. No, no. Toei says it's 10 years. Okay. I'm all confused now. I don't like looking at these numbers. Well, if if she's four at the end of Z, we'll just add 10 to that and say she's 14. Yeah. That that, makes the most sense. So where's this 11 coming from? I don't know. Jake did all the math. So. Damn it, Jake. She's clearly not one at the end of Z. <laughs> right, right. No. All right, then. That's a mystery for another day. So I she's there. The moral of the story is that, yes, Vegeta and Bulma like to make it to kids. Enough there to consummate their love yet again. But he does live there with he Bulma. He does. He's just going to... Yeah, they live together. They're not married, but they like to pop out kids. So they are a perfect modern family. I'd hit that. I guess. (laughs) I'm going to say who I'm referencing. I'll hit that. (laughs) Could go either way. (laughs) With the mustache, without. (laughs) Without. No. (laughs) We could pull it back and uh, we can look at her character uh, in the future. Okay. The alternate future. That's a great point because I feel she is a little different. But isn't that exactly as you would expect her to be after going through that? Yeah. A little tougher. A little tougher. Hardened. With the cigarette. And she has to be alive because she's the only one smart enough to make a machine. (laughs) Right. Yes. Again. Go back in time. They need her. So she's got to be there. She has to be one of the only ones who hasn't died at this point. Her perspective on the people that have died is very interesting. Like her comments about Vegeta and her comments about Goku. Oh, you think back to the Trunks TV special and Trunks like, oh, I want to... No, what kind of person was my dad? She kind of like, just like she says, looks don't at get your stone hopes up. cold. We don't, don't need get to talk about up. that. Let's talk about Son Goku instead. He was a great guy. He, he would have awesome. saved everything. That's like the one part in the entire Dragon Ball universe. I'm like, whoa, did she have feelings for Goku? I don't know. There is As a friend. I guess, yeah. As a friend. There is that one instance I think back to you. I think it's on Namek where she kind of looks up into the sky and is it that she wonders about Goku? I don't remember. And what he's doing right now. Yeah, and yeah. Then, like, 
flashes over to him training. Oh, was she like, what a man he grew up to be? Yeah, so I think it is more of the, what a great friend, and haven't we gone through so much together? Exactly what she says at the end of GT. Like, it all started, Goku, myself, the Dragon Balls, and look how far we've come, how many things we've gone through together. I think that's more of how she looks at Goku, rather than possible alternate sex slave. To <laughs> Whoa! Keep in her Goku house. Goku wouldn't even know what that is. No. Well, what are these whips and chains and again, handcuffs for? Fanfic material for all the folks out there. Well, I I was gonna throw in that. I mean, you're talking about from the beginning to the end and all the things they went through. And since I have this list up, I'm just gonna throw it out there. Sure. That we know she was 16 at the beginning of the series. Right. And at the end of GT, she's 57. Mm-hmm. So we have looking covered good. quite a big span. Mm-hmm. And she is looking good. Yeah, yeah. Except for that really Mary big hair. That. <laughs> Maybe not as a grandma. <laughs> True. That one instance of the big hair. No, I don't no, know no. I'm talking about her GT big hair at the end. Like this big, I don't know what you call that, comb over bangs. They're huge. Oh, yeah, I suppose so. I love the fro. You did? I, I I loathe and I hate the fro. Well, I guess we got to talk about that. The I, I hate the look, but I admire the balls. What is your favorite haircut then, oh, Mary? Jeez, favorite haircut? All something right, with pulled it up. Something with bangs and a headband. Probably her Namek haircut. Okay, Heath, what do you think? I always liked her original hair. Yeah, when she first showed up, I never really liked it when she cut it all short and it was all the same. Mm, right level, you know, but. I, I liked it when it had the ponytail, which she does go back to during the sign art. Right. I th- I like that the most, I think, maybe just because she's a little older and I don't know, something about yeah. it there. My least favorite definitely has to be after the sign arc in the hospital when she pops back in. <laughs> like, what was that? I don't know, but it lasted like the one scene and then when they go off to Namek, it's all, it's um it's streamlined. Again. Yeah. Cut with the smart headband. Keep it all in place. She definitely goes through quite a few haircuts, probably more than anyone else in the series. Give Toriyama props for trying. Yeah, yeah. Well, so much so that they dedicated a whole page to her hairstyle. I and love it. I sent you too. I'm going to go find that. I love her haircuts. <laughs> it's really, really fun stuff. I like, um, there's one other one that I really like. The, um, oh, I guess it's a bit similar to the Namek haircut, but her movie nine haircut. Mm, yeah, yeah. That's we, in the series. I do too. like, uh, when she shows up for the 23rd. Budokai, where she's more grown up. Yeah, so it's yeah. just very nice. Makes her look more adult-like, mm-hmm. I guess. But she's still young at the same time. Oh, yeah. yeah. Was that like the just above the shoulders haircut? Yeah. Okay. Yes. I like yeah. that She has one. the earrings in. Yeah. Right, right. Yeah, it's it's straight going down to about her shoulder length a little bit. I should take some hair tips from Bulma, except for the fro. Yeah. I can't get my Let's hair to do that. that. What else can we say about this character? I mean, like we've been saying, she's there at the very beginning and there at the very end. And she goes on lots of journeys, but she's kind of tossed to the side a lot. But she's also there more than almost any other female character. Yeah. It's true. So it's true. I guess that's something to say. Is this the female character that Toriyama get the most mileage out of? In this show, yeah. I hate to phrase it that not way. Not Arale. That's the female character he gets the most mileage out of in his <laughs> career. In Dragon Ball, yeah, I guess so. Both so. She's fun. She is a really, she's really fun character. Almost always fun to watch. And you never know what wacky things she's going to do. We haven't even talked about this, but Hiromi Sudu, I mean, she kind of defines the character for me. I, I think she's just 
phenomenal. She plays everything about her. She gets those tender moments later in movie 13, but then when she flies off the wall, you hear it in her voice too. I think she's just, man, she's another one of those veteran actors that had been around and went on to do so many other great things. I think she was right time to be casting Dragon Ball in there as well. Yeah, it was like that for a lot of people. Mid-80s. Be in the right place at the right time. That cast, man. That damn cast. So many great people in there. All right, any final thoughts on her? Uh, Heath, what about you? Final thoughts. Is this like the Jerry Springer show? Mm -hmm. I learned Uh, something today. Man, yeah, Jerry Springer. What did we learn today about (laughs) Bulma? Um... I don't, I've always liked her. I've liked her a lot more than Chi-Chi, and I think the anime sort of ruined Chi-Chi mm. as far mm. as um, driving home certain aspects of her personality. Yes, the educated-minded mother. Yeah. In a way, I think she was used very well throughout the series. Um, I think Toriyama brought her back when he needed her. She was always typically around, at least in the background, whether she was doing something or not. So she didn't get completely cast aside, but I thought they used her well, and she really comes in handy at the beginning when with all of her little gadgets. Yeah. Mary, final thoughts? Or does it just mirror everything? I, it just said? mirrors everything else. I think Toriyama used her to the best of his ability. You yeah. know, I think she could have had a lot more potential. I think that's a really good way to put it. Mm, I, I agree with you completely there. There's definitely more to that character. We get hints of it in his writing. Right. He's incapable of doing anything like, more. Yeah, I'm getting too close. We're going to take a few steps back. <laughs> He's getting too close to the truth of women. Right. But he even has to <laughs> back off. Even despite that, I think she's still a fun character to watch and It wouldn't be Dragon Ball without her. A great a really well-designed character too. Yeah. Yeah, she does have a great design. It's that hair. Even when it's different, you know it's her. Uh I have nothing else to say. I mean, I'm just going to play off everything you guys said. She's a, a a great character. She's so much fun. She's got a lot of depth. We don't always see that depth in Toriyama's writing, but it's fun to dive in and make it up for ourselves. And I love that she's there for the entire ride, too. So we would love to hear your thoughts on this character. We've got our form response thread for every episode. We've got Twitter. We've got Facebook. We'll talk about all those ways you can contact us. Let us know what you think about her. Before we hit up all that feedback stuff, I guess I'll just note that uh, the month's coming to a close. There's nothing else coming out in terms of releases. So we'll pick it back up next episode with delayed Kai stuff in Japan and then the U.S. And that the stuff. US. Man, so June's going to have some material. We'll talk about those releases uh, next month in June. Right now, let's do some emails and feedback. I'm going to read the first email here. This comes to us from Luke. Luke says, I just have a question about the Super Saiyan form. I've always thought it was a key turning point for the Dragon Ball sagas just because it gives us a whole other perspective on a Saiyan's power as well as what the fighters in this Dragon Ball universe were capable of. I was just wondering if you guys knew where the inspiration came from for this form and why the gold hair and the green eyes. Now, Heath, I know that you and I and Jake... I know the answer to one. We've talked a little bit about this. I'm not so sure about the inspiration, but there's certainly a logic to it, right? I guess you could call it inspiration. <laughs> well, Toriyama-style inspiration, because it's all about laziness. Yeah, well... That's how he does everything. So as the story goes, the inspiration is basically this. Toriyama was tired of coloring in Goku's hair black all the time. So when there was this great transformation, what should he do? He's going to change his hair color to something that he didn't have to color in every time. So for the rest of the series, we have a lot of characters that turn Super Saiyan and... 
no one had to color in all of their hair. And I should note that it's not just Toriyama. Yeah. He actually felt bad for his assistant who had to color in Goku's hair. So he sort of did it for him too. Yeah. I wanted to make sure we hit that, that it wasn't just Toriyama, that there, there are other people involved here, especially as the series moves onward. So he's saving himself as well as some assistant work there as well. And to the fact of the green eyes off the top of my head i'm trying to remember was he ever drawn with green eyes in the manga Ooh, i'd have to go back and check some color I pages i can't remember I'm not sure like some of the the like the color artwork yeah yeah and- yeah if anything we can just assume he told the anime staff that he has green eyes or that would be okay if you did that. Or it's one less <laughs> yeah. thing to have to color in black. Yeah. So that's uh, a quasi answer. I think that story was told and then retold in one of the guys. Was it the Kanzen Bot? No, it was would have been Landmark or Forever, something that it popped yeah, up. Yeah, it some was point. in Landmark. Okay. And then it was brought up again in one of the super exciting guys. Okay. I think it was the character. Gotcha. Volume. Yeah, I was just looking real quick. I went back. The sketch that Toriyama drew of Super Saiyan Son Goku for Dragon Ball Z Movie 5. I was going to go check that. has red eyes. Oh, okay. So, so it was definitely different color eyes and just kind of morphed at some point. Gotcha. There you go. That's what I know. All righty. Uh, Mary, why don't you read the next email? Hey, from Liam. Greetings from a longtime fan across the pond to Mr. EX and whoever else is happening to join him this week. Coming off the excellent fan sub discussion you had in the previous podcast, it got me thinking about home distribution here in the UK. To my knowledge and to the internet's knowledge, it seems that there is no current UK distribution of the Dragon Ball franchise on DVD whatsoever, apart from the Evolution film, but the less heard about that, the better. I find this rather odd, as you often hear of Spanish and French home releases fairly regularly, and we get the games released here, but maybe distributors wrongly think that there is no profit to be made by releasing the series in this country. To your knowledge, are there any other major consumer areas of the world where Dragon Dragon Ball seemingly has little to no presence in the market. Thank you, and I hope you're all doing well. Keep up the great work. There's a couple things to toss out there. One is that the AB Group has traditionally been the major sub-license holder in Europe, and I know that's tossed out to other companies. We have, for example, Kaze, who's been putting out uh, releases in Germany. and But the UK has always been mostly overlooked, other than the lovely Big Green dubs that we've had from, uh, was it Bridge Entertainment that published them? Yes. So there's stuff like that, but not really a formal release of the series in the UK. And Heath, as you and I have dug into financial reports, we have seen how well the video games did, particularly in the PS2 generation in, uh, they say Europe, but the UK was a huge contributor to that. So what is the deal with the UK? Where What's the deal? What's UK? the deal? That it it seems to do well there, but they don't want to put it out. What do you think? I've always wondered this myself. I've never really looked into it, but my assumption is they don't think they can regain the capital considering they speak English and like Australia does, they just use Funimation's dub and Madman releases it. I don't know why they've never done that. Well, it's been weird because there was the alternate English dub yeah, that went back right. to the Ocean Studios That's what cast. I was thinking of. So, so that never got released? No, that was TV only. So I don't know, is it costly to do stuff like that over there? I think part of the deal may be just the low population. Is it not worth it to try and put it out for that kind of a market? I mean, the population of Germany and France and Spain, it's got to be bigger than the UK. I mean, I don't know. 
I'm not a geography major, but I would assume that's the case, right? I'm not making any assumptions about geography. Yeah, I don't I don't assume things. Because when you assume, you yeah. get stories wrong about Dragon Ball. Exactly. So, I don't know. There, there seems to be a lot of strange, conflicting factors to that. Liam also asked... Are there other regions that seem to not have it despite there being a, a large amount of fandom? Yeah, there's plenty of countries. You go to the Middle East, I know it's been shown sometimes there, and the Arabic dub got back on TV, and there was a really terrible home release of it there that maybe covered some of their dub, but not all. So there are other places out there, but it is weird that the UK is one of them. Seems like it would be a logical place to at least have gotten the orange bricks, you know? Yeah. Some of the things in some of these countries don't really make sense to anyone, and there's no way you can ever really find out. No. And, unfortunately. And when the AB group's involved, it just seems like it's well, not even worth getting into. Just hope it goes elsewhere at that point. I guess import whatever you can. I know a lot of UK people go through that. Just import the Funimation releases as best you can and try to market so you don't have to play or pay those custom fees. Yeah. Those are a bitch. Mary, people have all the questions, all the feedback. We want to hear what they think about Bulma. We want to hear from more UK fans because they speak English. I know they're here. I know they're listening. And uh, more stuff. <laughs> what do people think about the Super Saiyan design as well? Because there's some good stuff in there. How does it come to us? Well, preferably email such as at podcast at diazex.com. It's P-O-D-C-A-S-T at D-A-I-Z-E-X.com. Also find us at Facebook at facebook.com slash DiZX and on Twitter at at DiZX. It's as easy as that. That's right. It's DiZX everywhere. Just type it in. You'll get something. It's how the internet works. <laughs> we don't guarantee anything, but <laughs> you'll get something. You'll get something. Hopefully it's it's from us. I'm pretty sure that DiZX now, that used to just be a spam site, but uh, I've seen that popping up as alternate searches. There's been some major study that has to do with plants, maybe photosynthesis. I'd have to look into it, but I don't understand any of the research papers. But dissex is now something legitimate. I'm rather disturbed than just, that you even checked. I didn't type it in. I saw it in search referrals. Okay. I also type it into the browser every single day. <laughs> I'm consistently looking for this. Anyway... That's Dizenshu EX. Uh, let's get a plug out there for Constantizer. You can find myself and Jake at Constantai.com. www.kanzentai.com. Appreciate that. Somebody had to say it. That's right. Cam. I love our Dat outline. Cam. <laughs> the outline's got so much crap in there from episode one that I just never change. I love it. It's kind of a relic of 2005, as we were talking about. Uh, so that's you over there. Myself and Julian can be found at DaizenshuEx, www.daizex.com. Mary joins us most weeks here on the internet to talk about the series with all these cool guys. So thank you for joining us, ma'am. Thank you. Thank you, Heath, for joining us. Thank you. And uh, thanks to Julian. I don't know why we're thanking him, but... It, it wouldn't feel right if we didn't. That's right. I think we have to. I hope he had fun with his family. I know. His daughter's first birthday. I know. It's a year now. So cute. It's been a year. She's a person now. She is. She's a little person. So he's been enjoying his little person and his family. We'll hear from him again soon. For all these fine folks, my name is Mike Vegito EX. We will see you next week here on the show. Daizenshu EX, the podcast, episode 261. We'll see you then.
I hear Heath's got a beer ready. Yeah, I'm winging this one without any water, so I need sustenance. Lemmy told me that I had to get drunk. <laughs> <laughs> All right, then. He bought your microphone. You have to do what he says. That's what I thought. <laughs> At least for another year. Anything Lemmy says you do, you have to do in the show, you're obligated Damn to it. do Oh, my so. God. It's practically prostitution. <laughs> it is. But it's totally worth it. Heath's a whore. <laughs> All right. This. Thanks, Mike. <laughs> Let's do this. <clears throat> Well, what if I started saying Bluma the entire rest of the episode? <laughs> I'd well, walk out of this room. It's going to hit you, <laughs> and I'm just going to laugh. Well, what I think is good is that we do have some disagreement here. I and always disagree. It, and I can tell just how livid Mary is that we're even talking oh. about it. But I There's some just things that are established in the English language, and it's on her fucking shirt. But <laughs> I'm drawn not, by Toriyama. But I'm not talking about the actual letters that spell out. Okay, her name. well, if you listen to this show, they say it so fast it sounds like Bulma. The way they slur it. You could also say that about saying Krillin as well, because yeah. it's slurred so Which fast. Which is why I don't like saying Crudidian. I just force myself because of the longer review of awesomeness. I'd prefer to say Krillin. <laughs> well, and we've had this discussion but before about Namekian, even. It would be na, not ne. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. So it's just all these little faux pas things mm. that I think would be taking it the extra mile that we don't really need to go. Yeah. Yeah. He said the Garlic Jr. saga also became first available through the Pearl Vision. And as I think Version? back, yeah. What Version, I say? You said vision. vision. Oh, okay. That's, a, that's an eyeglass store. Thank it's you. a pearly vision. <laughs>